What a beautiful, beautiful worship song. There is nothing better than you, Lord. There is nothing. Especially when we we're, we're go, when we're going through uh, trials, tribulation, adversities. There is nothing better than what than, than the Lord. There's nothing better than that. We um, we ought to be blessed just to know that we belong to Him and that He. He knows every single thing that's going on in our lives. He knows every single struggle that we have. He knows what, he knows what we're going through today. He knows what we, he knows what happened. He knows what happened yesterday. What happened today? He he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's better. It's there's nothing better than you, oh Lord. So this morning, I just want to tell you, if you're here for the first time with us, we are so glad. Uh, and we want to let you know that we are here to help people find and follow Jesus. That is our desire. And so, and we're also a church in transition. And today we, uh, I, got, I want to remind uh, those, those in leadership that, um, that are part of uh, different ministries uh, that today we have a meeting at 3 o'clock. So uh, make sure you're here because we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the steps that we're taking into this transition. And today... We are going to talk about trials. Trials. Have you, have you ever experienced trials in your life? Have you? I hope you will say amen to that. Now, I hope you would say yes, I have experienced trials in my life. Because, you know, only people who are not anymore with us are those who don't experience, experience any more trials in their lives. Trials is just a part of our life. This is our second week on the book of James, and today we are going to talk about trials, being tested, going through adversities in life, however you want to call it, nobody likes to go through trials. Oh, do you enjoy going through trials? Nobody does. Nobody wants to have, uh, you know, have, uh, have to go through trials in their life. Many times, you know, trials involves loss, loss of someone you love, loss of a job. A divorce, a broken friendship. Trials are hard and often painful. So nobody wants to go through trials. Uh, they are painful and comfortable. And a lot of times we don't really see it that way. But as painful and uncomfortable trials can be, they are necessary in our lives. And, and the reasons we don't, like, uh, you know, we don't like trials is because we don't understand trials. A lot of times that is the main problem. We don't understand trials. Trials can be a blessing in disguise. Uh, the Bible says that trials are good for you. Trials are good for each one of us. We know God is sovereign. And in His sovereignty, over all circumstances in our lives, nothing happens without His allowing it to happen. So everything that happens in your life, God, either God does it or He allows it to happen. And at the same time, we have uh, this promise in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that we know that all things that happen in our lives, God works for good, all those things, for those who love Him. So in other words, all things come together. A lot of times, we've got to learn to see life uh, as a puzzle. Because we don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know what's going to be the next piece that we need in our lives. But God knows. In His sovereignty, He knows what's coming to you. He knows what's best for you. He knows the moves He's going to make in your life. And He knows that He's going to work all this together for your benefit, for your good. Even though at the moment we're experiencing trials, we don't see it that way. Because at the moment we're experiencing trials, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to go through all this. And trials... Trials causes us to be more dependent on God. A lot of times we don't have a lot of, we don't do a lot of personal prayer. But when we're going through trials, it causes us to be more dependent on God. So you get closer to God, you know you gotta pray, you know you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta seek God's face and His will for your life. God often uses trials in our lives to make us uh, rely completely on Him. When we are going through a trial, we often feel powerless over the circumstances. This is what drives us 
closer to the Lord because you feel powerless. You know that you need His power, not yours. Think about it. You are called about to pray without ceasing, but when is it that we pray even more? When we're going to trials. When we're going to trials. Our trials brings us to our knees and causes us to completely dependence on our good, gracious Father. Our trials brings us to our knees. How often we like to think of ourselves as independent and self-sufficient. That, 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 is, that is a human nature. We like to think of ourselves about being independent and self-sufficient many times, but we are not. We depend on God. The truth is, we need God. Without acknowledging our need for God, we can never have a proper relationship with Him. In Psalm, in Psalm 86, David was in the midst of a trial. And his response to his acknowledge, he acknowledges that God, it's necessary for God to be in, the, in his life during his trial. So he acknowledged that he needed the Lord in his distress. In the trial he was going through, in Psalm 86, verse 1 through 7 says, Hear me, Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. Lord, are forgiven. You, Lord, are forgiven. And good, abounding in love to all who call you. Hear my prayer. Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. You, you hear the psalmist here? He, he, he's, he's asking the Lord, have mercy on me because of the distress. Verse 7 says, when I am in distress, I call to you because you answer. So basically, what, what, what he's saying right here is, when I'm in distress, when I'm going through these hard times, when I'm going through adversities, when I'm going through trials, Lord, you are there for me. So trials cause us to be more dependent on God. Trials also helps us to know God better. To know God better. And I like a verse in Job chapter 42, verse 4 and 5. I, I like this text because... While Job was going through all the trials, there were moments where, you know, where people came with negative attitudes and negative thoughts. And they were just, you know, they weren't very helpful to Job. And in every trial we encounter brings us closer to God when we hope, when our hope is properly placed on God. Through our trials, we enter into a deeper and more meaningful fellowship with God. And Job says right there in those verses, he says, Hear me, hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by hearing of the ear. So before I was going through all these trials, before I went through all this testing in my life, Job is saying, I heard of you, but I never really experienced you. Now, I'm, only, I'm not only hearing about you anymore, but now my eyes see you. In other words, his experience as a result of going through trials and getting closer to God and getting to know God more and more. Now Job says, I don't, I, I, I don't only hear of you now, but now I can see you. I see you at work. I see you doing what you're supposed to, what, 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 what you are doing in my life. Because you promise you will do that. In the process of trials, you get to know God better. So today, in James chapter 1, verse, uh, we're gonna go all the way from verse 1, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna review verse 1, and we're gonna go all the way to verse 4. We're gonna talk about trials. He goes, trials are good for you. We don't like it. But trials are good for you. Put that in your head. Trials are good for you. There, there is a purpose. There is a good purpose when you go through trials. There is a good result that's going to come out of it. And so in James, as we're going to talk about trials, verse 1 all the way through verse 4, James writes, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. 
And then he jumps right into the first point he wants to make. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Has anybody ever tell you when you're going through a trial, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And a lot of times people mean, they mean well. They mean good. But when they tell you that, it's like, you're only thinking like, please be quiet. Don't say that anymore. You know, you don't tell them that, but you're thinking about that. You know, you don't know what it's like to go, what I'm going through. But James here is saying, consider it pure joy. Now, that, that kind of contradicts what society, it's always trying to teach us today. What our human nature feels like, it's like, I don't want to feel joy when I'm going through trials. But the Word of God says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Why do you consider, why would you consider it pure joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith, so you will consider it pure joy when you're going through trials, because you have the knowledge, you have the, you, you know, you are aware that the testing of your faith, it's necessary to produce perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we began this amazing book last week, and we learned that James is the writer, or the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, is the writer of this book. And the purpose of this book, we talked about it last week also, that is the testing of your faith. So James is going uh, is gonna to jump right into the first subject he wants to talk about. He's talking about the testing of your faith. So to talk about the testing of your faith, James is going to tell us, you know, the first test of your faith is going to be the trials. It's going to be when you go through different problems in life. It's when you go through different adversities in life, and the test of your faith has got a lot to do with how you respond to those trials. The way you respond to trials is the most important thing in your life when you're going through those different trials. So James basically is telling them, you know, we know. We know that James wrote it. We know that he is the servant of the Lord and the, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see this, that he is writing to the tribes that were scattered among the nations. So James told us who he is. And that he was writing under the Lordship of Jesus, and that his purpose was for us to learn to test our faith. So now James is telling us who is he writing to. Why is this important? This is important to know who he's writing to, because these people were scattered. Now let me tell you a little bit about background before, so we can understand, before we go into the whole text. Uh, a little bit of the background here is that James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And as a pastor in the church in Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem began to experience persecution. And as they were being persecuted, and they were, uh, you know, they were, getting, they were getting killed, they were having a hard time, that Roman Empire was persecuting Christians, they were capturing Christians, and, and, and just killing them. So these people, from being in the church in Jerusalem, they had to go away. They just went all over the place. That's why it says they were scattered. And they were, uh, they were Jewish Christians. That's why he says the 12 to the 12 tribes. I'm writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the, scattered among the nation. So in other words, these were Jewish, Christian Jewish, who had to leave Jerusalem because of persecution. So with that in context, we need to understand that the first thing these Christians were going to experience, they were going to experience trials. Why? Because as they left, and they escaped, and they ran away from this persecution that they were going through, they had to leave, they left everything behind. They left properties, they left houses, they left jobs, they left family, they left a lot of things, and so they were going basically with nothing. So they were going to experience trials. They were going to experience adversities in their lives. You, can you just imagine if we were, we were being persecuted here in California for being faithful to the Lord, for not doing the things that a lot of the laws that are changing nowadays? 
and we don't do it, and we say we're going to stick with the Scripture, we're going to stick with the Bible, and we're going to be faithful to the Bible, and then we begin to being persecuted, and we start going away. And we have to run away right away, and we don't have time to sell our homes or do anything like that. We just got to leave. And everything you work for your whole life, it's gone. So this is what they were going through. And James jumps right into the first, this first issue. He's telling them right now, basically, the testing of your faith is going to come. You are going to go through these trials, and these trials is going gonna, is gonna to be the testing of your faith. Your faith will be tested through the trials and adversity. And how a person responds or handles the trials will reveal whether his or her faith is a living faith or dead. If it's a real faith or it's fake. Genuine faith or imitation of faith. Saving faith or non-saving faith. The way you respond to trials is what's going to give it out. It's going to give it away. Whether you are really uh, having a relationship, a real relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he's not going to talk about trials just in verse uh, 2, 3, and 4. But he, the whole section, all the way to verse 12, he's going to talk about trials. And when he talks about trials, Pastor Roy is going to be sharing uh, in, the, in, the, in a couple of weeks and uh, Brother Paul is going to come and preach next week also, and he's going to share uh, verses uh, 5 and 8. And this whole section is going to talk about trials. So he gives verses 2, all the way from verses 2 to verse 12, to talk about trials. And in verse 2, basically James is going to encourage believers to have the right attitude. Attitude is, a bigger, is one of the biggest problems we have now, nowadays in the world. Everybody has an attitude. And I, I'm... You know what I mean by that. So attitude. Have the right attitude during trials. Verses 3 and 4 is going to talk about how, what the results are if you handle trials the right way. God's way. The results is going to be that you are going to become a mature Christian. Verses 5 and, uh, through 8. It's, uh, you know, if you don't have wisdom, if you don't know what to do when you're going through trials, we are going to hear that James is going to tell them what to do, how to ask for wisdom during the tri- times of trials. In verses 9 through 11, trials don't make any distinction of people. Whether you are rich, you're poor. No matter what you are, no matter what ethnicity you are, no matter what language you speak, trials are going to come for you. Trials don't make distinction of people. They will come to you, whether you're rich or poor, whoever you are. And the reward, verse 12, is going to talk to us about the reward of persevering during trials. So this whole section, we're going to be talking about trials. So the recipient of this letter, the ones who he was writing to, they're, they're, they're reading this letter and they're understanding, okay, we are going to go through trials, so we have to understand what this means in our lives. Now, before we jump into the main points that I want to talk to you about, there is, there, there's a lot of times there's confusion with how people understand this. There is trials. Let me, let me back up a little bit. There is temptation. There is trials. And there is consequences. And a lot of times when we are experiencing adversities, we don't understand what we're really going through. When we experience adversity, it can be one of those three reasons. Maybe when you experience adversities, you're experiencing temptation. And you're having a hard time. You're having a hard time with that temptation. And you're thinking, oh, this is a test. This is a trial. No, it's, sometimes it's a temptation. And you, it's important that we understand how to distinguish that. Because a lot of times it's not a temptation. A lot of times it's a consequence. A consequence is when you make the wrong decision. God is not even putting you in trial. God is not even testing you. You're just experiencing the natural consequence of your bad decisions. And then you have the trials. So when you're going through adversity, there is three reasons why you might be going through adversity. Temptation. Temptation only comes from the enemy. Because his intention, his goal will always be to make you fall into sin. So when you are tempted, that you are feeling tempted to fall into sin, that is the devil, that is the enemy trying to tempt you so you can fall into sin. So you can fall into sin. So the adversity you experience is because you might be experiencing temptation. Temptation 
is uh, temptations are opportunities to choose something other than God. To choose other, uh, other than God, something other than God. All temptation is rooted in the lie that something other than God and His will can meet my need and bring me to satisfaction. Then you realize that is a temptation. When I'm trying to do what's against God just for my own satisfaction. And, and I'll tell you one thing. God can be the source of trials. He is the source of trials. But He can never be the source of temptation. As a matter of fact, in verse 13, when we get to verse 13, we're going to read that it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt by, be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. So God will not bring temptation. The enemy will bring temptation. So that it might be one of the reasons why you're going through adversity. You have to be able to identify that. The other thing that I mentioned before is you have to be able to identify if the adversity you're going through is because you're experiencing a consequence. So many times we make bad decisions and then we're asking ourselves when we're in the middle of the problems, we're asking ourselves, God, why are you doing this to me? And it's like, God is not doing that to you. You did that to yourself. Don't you see that you made the wrong decision? And your decisions will have results or consequences? And a lot of times, the problems that we're going through, is not because God has put us in that place, but it's because we made the wrong decision. And we're just experiencing a natural consequence of our wrong decisions. And then... We have the, the, the third reason why we might be going through adversity, and it's a test or a trial. Now, l- let me tell you this. This is beautiful because the test or a trial has the intention from God to help us grow, to help us mature, to become stronger, to learn, uh, to develop endurance in our lives, to help us grow, to get us stronger, so our faith can get stronger No matter what comes our way, we'll be able to face it because our faith will become stronger. And in this case, of the first three verses that we're reading right now, verse 2, 3, and 4, in the case of James uh, writing on chapter 1, verses 2 through uh, through 4, they were believers who were being tested. They were going through various trials. So today... James is going to help us answer three questions about these trials that they were going through. Three questions. And you have it in your outline. Don't forget, try to work on your outline because in the small groups, we want you to go over this in all the small groups that we have in church. We want you to go over this so you can... uh, And there's some questions for the small groups in uh, page 3 and 4. So if if you want to grow, if you want to remember some of the things... Uh, you know, they're there. So I, I encourage you to write, uh, make some, you know, write some notes and all that. But James is going to help us today to answer three questions about trials. The, 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 the first question we want to answer is, what are the basic things we should know about trials? What are the very basic things we should know about trials? Number one, the very basic thing is that trials are part of life. Simple. Very simple, right? You cannot get away from trials. And I'm going to tell you this. These people who were running away from Jerusalem, they were running away from the trials. They were running away from all the problems that were going on in Jerusalem, from all the persecution they were going through. They're running away from one place, but they're getting to another place. And guess what? They were going to have trials over there too. Have you ever found yourself running away from trials? Don't we all love to do that? Because we don't like to experience them. If there is a problem, you know what? No, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to get away from it. Getting away from it and not dealing with the issue, it doesn't help it. It doesn't make it disappear. It, It just piles it up on top of another and another and another and another. So James is is basically telling us, The trials are part of life. He's teaching his audience the trials are part of life. It doesn't matter who or where you are, trials will come your way. The Christians that were running away, these 12 tribes, they they, they found that out really quick. And in verse 2, 
In verse 2, in the, in the middle of verse 2, it says, Whenever you face trials. So he tells them, whenever you face trials, and he's talking about them to have joy. Have pure joy when you're going through trials. Have pure joy whenever you face trials. N- not, not if you ever will, if you will ever face trials. He says, when you face them. It's not if you will, if you. It's when you do. This is the way you got to act. This is the attitude you got to have. No matter where you are, as long as you're alive, there will be trials in your life. There will be trials in your life. I like the way uh, Peter says it. Peter, Peter tells the, he, he, his uh, readers, do not be surprised of trials. Do not be surprised of trials. And he says in Peter chapter 4, uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So again, the trial has as a purpose to test you. So that when you are tested, you will become stronger. And you will become stronger so that when you get to face the next trial, you will be ready for that. And also, not just ready for the next trial, but also ready to help other people who will also go through the same things or similar things that you're going through. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 1. That the reason we experience adversity many times is so we can help others that will eventually go through the same things that we're going through. So he's telling them basically, uh, you know, don't be surprised when those trials, when these tough trials come upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. So trials are not a thing out of the world. They are coming. They are part of our lives. You can, uh, you can run away, but you will find trials of different kinds anywhere you go. No matter where you are, you will find trials. And again, I ask the question... Have you ever find yourself running away from trials, from problems? The best thing to do is to face them. Because sooner or later, if you don't face them today, you'll face them tomorrow. You know, I know many people who have made changes, big changes in their lives. And the only reason they make these big changes in their lives is because sometimes they're going through a problem and they think that by leaving that place, by leaving geographically that place, that will help it. And it doesn't. Because a lot of times the problem, we carry it with us. And no matter where we go, we carry the problem with us. And so we need to understand that trials are just a a normal part of life. Anytime, anytime that we're going through trials, we need to understand that no matter where we are, no matter who we are, we will experience trials. There's one second basic thing that I want you to understand here, because James is telling us this. Not just trials are a part of life, James says, but another basic thing that we need to understand is that trials will vary. Trials will not all be the same every time. Trials will intensify or decrease on intensity depending on what you need. Because the trial that you experience is not what God needs, it's what you need. God puts you through the trial. God puts you through the test so He can make you stronger, so you can learn a lesson that you will utilize in your life eventually or at that moment. God wants you to grow. So trials will vary. They are all different. No trial is the same. They all have different purpose in your life. And that's why in verse 2 He says, Whenever you face trials... So, James is telling them, you will face trials. Not when you, but whenever you. Whenever you face trials of what? What does he say there? Read it with me. Many, what? Many kinds. And the Greek word here is interesting. The Greek word is the Greek poikilos. The word poikilos in Greek, it's a word that was used for, to describe a multiculture, multiform. Diversity, diverse, varied in character. As a matter of fact, this word poikilos was used. Have you seen those beautiful Middle Eastern, uh, Middle East uh, carpets? These beautiful carpets that they, they put them all together with different colors. Amazing. They're so expensive too. That's the only reason why I don't have one. But when you see this, that is the word poikilos meaning. That's the meaning of that word. 
It, it, it describes, it was used to describe a carpet of many colors. So it's not just many colors, but, but it's, it's uh, James' point is that the trials that we encounter will come with many colors, many shapes, many shades, and many degrees. And so Peter told us, don't be surprised. They are part of your life. But besides the fact that they're a part of life, they're also different in kind. God will allow for you to go through the trial that you need at that moment. What you need to learn, that's what God is going to put you through. That's why when you're going through trials, never has God to get you out of it. Because He won't. He'll get you out of it until He knows that you have learned the lesson that He wants you to learn. Now, remember, you got to make sure, is it a consequence? Did I make a bad decision that brought me to this adversity? Is it a temptation? Or is it actually a trial where God wants me to learn, to grow? Whatever the nature or severity of the trial are meant to test the believer's faith. Again, the size of your trial depends on your need. The size of your trials depends on your need. Whatever the trial, God knows what you really need to work on in your life. So James basically saying two things, two basic things you need to understand. Number one, you need to understand that trials are part of life. Number two, you need to understand that trials are very, are in many times, are, in, are completely different from one to another. So if we know these things, if we know the trials are a natural part of life, if we know the trials will vary and are different, then James is going to tell us, number two, how should we respond to trials? Because this is key. This is essential to know how to respond to trials. Because so many times we respond to trials with a bad attitude. We respond to trials complaining. Why me? Why am I going through this? Why not, why not my neighbor? But why me? Why am I going through these problems? And then we start complaining, we nag, we nag. How we respond to trials is essential. And that's why he says in the beginning of verse 2, he says, Consider, it, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Now, this word, consider, it's a, it's a command. These words, consider, it's in the Greek, it's a command. So, he's telling us, consider it. I'm not giving you the option, he says. I'm telling you what to do. So, you have to think about it. You have to consider. Pure joy. So, I'm going to think about it. I have to think about it. What my attitude is going to be as I'm going through different adversities or trials in my life. I have to consider if my attitude is good or if my attitude is bad. Because from my attitude depends how I come out of the trial. Whether I come victorious or I come defeated. From my attitude is going to depend a lot of it. So it's a command. It's an imperative in the Greek. To respond to trials with an attitude of pure joy. And the word joy is another word that is so misunderstood here. Because a lot of times when you're telling people, Oh, I have joy in my heart. And it's like, you're smiling, that's joy. That's not joy. You might not be smiling, but you might have a lot of joy. Don't you remember what Jesus Christ says? That for the joy of our salvation, He was going to go through the cross. He went to the cross because of the joy that He and us were going to experience. And I don't think at the cross He was smiling. He was suffering. Because joy is an attitude of the heart. It's completely different when people think about being happy. So joy is a, is a very misunderstood word. So some will say that it's an emotion. Some people will say it's an emotion that comes to you because of the good and positive circumstances around you. No, that is not joy. Others confuse joy with happiness. What is joy? I, I like what Janine did in her book. Janine in her book, The Joy-Filled Life, Feel Soul. The Joy-Filled Soul. If you don't have that book, I recommend you, 
you, you talk to Janine after the service because he did a really good job in explaining how to have joy. If you don't have joy in your life, get the book and read it. And it will take you through a lot of Bible verses that will explain good stuff about joy. But, but in her book, um, she explains joy in a very clear way of understanding. In, in pages 3 and 4 specifically, I, I, was, I, was, I was captured by what it says there. But she was writing here, joy is not an emotion controlled by your circumstances. You remember what the Apostle Paul went through when he was in, in jail, in, 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 in the Philippi jail, in, in the book of Philippians? That was the epistle of joy. That is the epistle of joy. And and Paul keeps on telling them, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. And he was, what? He was in prison in Rome. Well, he was writing this book to the Philippians. He was in prison. And he was experiencing joy. But but I like uh, what she wrote is that joy is not an emotion controlled by your circumstances. Emotions change fluctuate, and are influenced by circumstances. That's what emotions are influenced by. Circumstances. It might, maybe, maybe, it might be that emotions are controlled by medications that you take. Or people that you surround yourself with. And many other things. But I, li- I really love this part. Joy goes deeper. True joy doesn't change with the tide. Joy was designed to stay with us and to give us hope and encouragement through our day. You, you know what? I really love that. Because joy is supposed to give you hope and encouragement through your day as you're going through different trials in life. So when you're experiencing trials in life, the only thing that's going to give you hope and encouragement to go forward, to move forward, to do things the way God wants you to do things, is when you are doing them with joy. When you are doing it with joy, you will have hope and encouragement through your day. Don't you need that when you're going through trials? Don't you need encouragement and hope? The only thing that's going to take you through, believe me when I say this, the only thing that's going to take you through the day when you're sick, and when you don't know what's going to come the next day, and when there's so much uncertainty in your life, when you're like worried, what's going to happen with me? What's going to be tomorrow? What's, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the house payment? How am I going to get money for gas nowadays that is so expensive? How am I going to do this when I'm barely making it? The only thing that's going to take you through is when you experience joy because it's going to give you hope and encouragement to move forward, to keep on going through your day. It was designed to be a stabilizing force in our lives. That's what joy does. In the context of James, we should respond to trials with an attitude of the heart that is supposed to stay with us And give us hope and encouragement through our trials. That is joy. Joy is a command. It's a command to consider joy. Because it's the attitude God wants you to have. Joy will give you hope and encouragement during your trials. 90% of the time, the result of your trials will depend on your attitude. That result of your trials will depend on your attitude. So, So James is saying... Trials are part of life. Trials will vary in many different kinds. But when you're going through these issues, when you're going through these trials, make sure you have the right attitude through it. Don't have the wrong attitude because it's only going to destroy you. You can choose to nag, you can choose to complain, or you can learn the lesson God is trying to teach you. You can have joy that will give you hope and encouragement during your trials. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude in life. If you have a bad attitude, that's the way you're going to live life. And that's the way you're going to experience life. But if you have the attitude God wants you to have, then you will experience joy That will give you hope and encouragement every single day. Now, look at verse 3. 
Because joy is a sense of assurance, tranquility. Joy gives you that assurance, that tranquility, that, you know what? Verse 3, it says, the reason you experience, or you're supposed to experience joy, is because you know. This is not, this is not without knowledge. Look at verse 3. The reason you experience, if we read all the, all the two verses, it says that consider it pure joy, my friends, my brothers and sisters, when you're going through different trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, so you know, you are aware. The reason you are supposed to have the attitude of joy during trials is because you don't ignore. No, you don't ignore it. You know why you're going through trials. You know that the reason you're going through trials is because God is testing your faith to produce something even better in you. So that brings you joy. You know, I'm going through trials. I know I'm going through trials because God is trying to do something better in me. God is helping me to grow. So the reason you have joy, the reason you experience joy is because of you knowing why you're going through what you're going through. So you are experiencing joy. That sense of assurance that will give you hope and encouragement because you know. What is it that you know? That as you are going through the trial, God is at work for your own benefit. I like the, the, the word in Greek here. The word that, that, that uh, James uses for because you know. The word knowing is the word ginosko. And ginosko carries the idea of the full understanding of what and why it's happening. So now, you have joy because you have the full understanding that the reason you're going through trials, that the reason you're going through adversity is because God is doing something amazing in your life. So I'm not going to nag. I'm not going to complain because I know. I have the assurance that God is working in me. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, endurance. So if we put it all together, what's, what, he, what we've seen so far, we will say trials are part of life. So don't be surprised when trials come your way. Just know that the trials will vary in different kinds. What you need to know and what you need to do for sure is that you need to have the right attitude as you're going through these different trials. You need to have the right attitude because the right attitude is essential to become victorious and not to be defeated. And that God knows exactly what He's doing and you know that. And because you know that, you experience joy. You experience joy. This is pretty amazing what James is telling us. Just in these three verses here. Because he's also telling us what the main purpose of trials is. What is the main purpose of trials? Verse 3. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And check verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the desire God has is for you to be tested in your faith, to go through that test, to go through that trial that will produce perseverance. Now, another word that is used here for perseverance is the word endurance. And some of you guys have been athletes at some point in your lives. Some of them are still some of us have been a while. Pastor Roy is an athlete. I, I don't, I don't, I can never keep up with him on that bike. I'm like, man, I hope I ride like that when I'm 71, 72. Oh, man. Tim won't even go with us. And he's the youngest one of the three of us. He thought he was saved. No, Tim won't even go with us. He said, I'm not going to be able to keep up with you guys. But endurance. Pastor Roy, when I began writing with him, he told me one 
One time he told, well, several times he told me actually, that as the wind, we were getting headwind, he said, that is the best thing for you to experience, even though you don't like it. And what was, what was, what was, the, what was the advice there? Headwind will make you, you know, it will make you strong. It will make you stronger. Even when you go up hills, it will make you stronger. It will make you stronger. It will develop your endurance. So we used to ride 26 miles to, um, boy, Seal Beach. And then all of a sudden I told Pastor Roy, I think I'm ready for the 44 miles. And then we went over there. We went all the way to Huntington Beach. And we did 44 miles, and I felt good, and all of a sudden I stopped for six weeks, right? With a lot of things that were going on in my life, we just, I just had to stop. So last week, we went again, after six weeks, not doing it, we went again, and <laughs> Pastor Roy was being so, so nice to me. He wasn't going to leave me behind or anything like that. But I, we went back just to Seal Beach. And I was just like, man, are we almost getting there? You know, my endurance was... Bad. How do you develop endurance? You develop endurance as you go through the testing of the trials. You're tried. You're tested. And you're developing. The more you go through it, as a matter of fact, many, you know, many athletes, they don't make it to the Olympic Games, to the World Cup. They don't make it just because... They know how to handle the ball good. No, they have to have endurance to get through all the process. So God wants you to develop endurance. God wants you to develop endurance. That is the purpose. So you can be stronger. So when trials come your way, so when temptations come your way, so when adversities come your way, you will stand firm because you are on the rock and not on the sand. Your life is built on the rock. And he says right here, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you can mature, endurance, maturity, completeness. So this is what James is telling us. The Christians, we need to have this right attitude. We need to understand these basic things about trials. So if you're going through trials today, no, that is, that, that is a normal thing in life. It's part of life. Make sure you understand that they will all be different. But also, above all, make sure you have the right attitude as you go through the trials. God is working in you when you're going through the trials. God is definitely working in you. And so if you don't know what to do when you're going through trials, my biggest advice is do not miss next week. Because Pastor, Pastor Paul, who's coming from Lancaster, he's going to uh, share with us what we need to do if we don't know what to do. If we don't know what to do, he's going to tell us what we need to do during the times of trials. But, but I'm also going to ask you this. If you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never given Jesus your heart, and you go through different adversities and trials, I'm sure that has not been easy for you. We as Christians... When we go through trials, we have a hard time. But there is one thing that we are blessed by, and it's having the Lord in our lives. But if you have never given your life to Jesus, what do you have? Who's there for you? Who's giving you that encouragement? Who's giving you that hope that you need every day as you go through trials? So I want to encourage you to do what James says. Consider it. Consider giving your life to Christ because that's the only way you're going to come through as you're going through different trials in life. Think about it. And if it's in your heart to say, Lord, I have been going through trials and I don't know what to do anymore, I'm going to tell you the first thing you need to do is give your life to Christ. He will show you the way. He has done it with us. And we have seen the way and we have seen the light and that's what keeps us going with hope and encouragement every single day of our lives. Our Father in heaven, we pray, Lord, this morning that you will help us. That you will help us 
understand that you will help us get through everyday life being faithful to you, Lord, as we go through different trials. We pray, Lord, that you will encourage us and that we will be obedient to your word and that we will see trials from the right perspective in life. Lord, if there is anybody here among us that has never given your life to you, I pray, Lord, that they will give you their lives. That they will receive you as their Lord and Savior. That they will bring all the things that they go, they're going through, they will bring it to you, Lord. Because you promised that you will, you were going to help us to get through it. So I pray, Father, that if anybody's here, that we'll be able to start a new relationship with you today. Father, I also want to pray for our brother, Ron Merrill. As he's been going through a lot of pain, that is a trial. That is a test that he's going through. And I want to pray, Father, that you will touch his body. That you will ease his pain. I pray, Lord, that he will know that our church as a church... As a family in the faith, we are all praying for Him. Thank You, Father, for getting us through these three verses in the book of James that, will, that has teach us so much this morning. But help us, Lord, overall to go out there and put it in practice. That every time this week that we're going through a different trial, we will think about it. How do I respond to it? What do I do? Do I complain? Do I nag? Or do I praise your name in the midst of trials? I pray, Father, that that will be our attitude. Not just for this week, but from now on in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.